0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No. It's Gadgets and Gizmos, with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. So last week I said I was a GOG. Um, I won't say that this week. I'm just keen you to hear. You just said, it. You just just said ke- it. No, no, no. It wasn't direct speech. Not at all. <laughs> so what have you got for us this week? Well, we get some quite a lot of press releases at uh, Share Radio, mainly from people kind of get us to talk about their Bluetooth speakers. Yes, bored or, or, bizarrely, well. or bizarrely named crowdfunded objects, yes. Or bizarrely named crowdfunded objects. Um, but we had a very interesting one uh, this week about a company called Aroma Prime, who you may not have heard of, anyone's heard of them. And what Aroma Prime do is they supply smells to theme parks and museums. Smells? Smells, yes. Apparently, quite a lot of uh, museums now have smells to accompany their exhibits. Madame Tussauds, for example, has smells to accompany its exhibit, as we will discover. Because I, kn- I know supermarkets do, because they, they have fake bread smells and coffee smells. Oh, aren't those real? And... Surely they're no, real. No, no, are. No, I do have read there are companies that provide smells. <laughs> I hadn't realised they send it to things like museums, though. They do. Well, Aroma Prime have just released their list of the top 10 smells. Oh, okay. And I thought that it is such a good list. I'm going to go through all 10 in reverse order. Excellent. So at number 10, Rotting Flesh. What for? Oh, my uh, God. What for? Oh, well, I suppose for, you know, for places like London Dungeon who want the kind of ickiness. Oh, my smell. goodness. Yeah. Is that so? up the ickiness factor. Way. I, don't, I don't know if it's top 10 are the most used or the most enjoyed or the most people comment about more. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, at number nine, sports changing rooms. I suppose there must be a, a, a use for that somewhere, but it's hard to imagine where. Well, in sports changing rooms, but you think they would provide their own smells? You'd think you'd think they would, yes. wouldn't you? Yes. Well, oh, the... Certainly, thinking back to school days, that's not a not a smell I'd care to encounter again voluntarily. Okay, next one. No, it is very surprising, isn't it? Um, at number eight, burning witch. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not entirely sure how they came up with um the uh the, the smell of burning witches Well i imagine um, it's just like burnt meat isn't it Well, oh, i suppose I it mean. is maybe with with added you know eye of newton toe of fog. <laughs> oh good grief yes. burning witch oh God, yes. horrendous okay um very uh very curious indeed um, I I don't know what happened to number seven. It seemed to disappear off my list. When I find it, I will let you know. Okay. At number six, Queen Elizabeth II. Her smell. Yes. What, we, <laughs> I I most like of a, most of we corners don't know. How she does smell. How does well, the queen smell? I don't know. <laughs> this is this is Two uh, Tussauds. They have a smell um, based partly on the smell of uh, Buckingham Palace. And right. uh, based on the the smell of I don't know whichever by royal ascent perfume she she favours. So right. if you if you go to Madame Tussauds, you can probably see the queen, and these days you can get up close to them, and you can actually give her a good sniff. at number I, Can five, you just really sort of imagine sort of people going around Madame Tussauds and, and smelling the exhibits? It seems very bizarre. Okay. Well, I don't think people go and sniff them, per se, but I think as I stand near them, they get the extra sense mm-hmm. of what these people are like. At number five, Tyrannosaurus rex. Again, oh. I don't know how they know what those smell like. At number four... No, but they, no nobody's going to disprove it. No, indeed, <laughs> that's true. Number four, Jaguar urine. Okay, and I think that's we're talking about the cat just, rather than the car. Yes, yes, I would imagine. Yes. But that seems utterly... I can't even think where where in a theme park are there any Jaguars anywhere? Well anywhere. I, I mean I don't know. It is it is it is very strange, isn't it? They don't they didn't say where a lot of these were located, which is a, a pity. Oh, okay. Number three, the dentist. I suppose in a, a the sort of medical museum you might want to smell the dentists. But grief. Germaline. Okay. Germaline smells of hospitals, doesn't it? I guess. Hmm. With well, Maybe they don't smell like that anymore. I don't know. Try and stay yeah. away if I anyway. possibly can. The smell of a dentist. And yeah. that's number three. Good That's number, three. number two, penguin vomit. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I, but presumably somebody has commissioned these people to make the smell of penguin vomit. Yeah, yeah and that's number two on the list. That's, that's the second the most popular smell for a theme park or a museum. But do you know what the most popular smell is? It's rather Mm. nice, this one. Kylie Minogue's breath. This is again at at Madame Tussauds, where if you go and see the Kylie Minogue figure, you can not only smell her breath, but you can hear her breathing. Good grief. Good grief, indeed. Yes, good grief. Well, I have to say that is absolutely extraordinary. I Um, think it is, yes. So we must look into some say the science of, of smells. Because yeah. it's obviously a big industry, yeah. but most people know nothing about because they don't know. I mean, car. Do you remember when you used to buy your dad used to buy a new car? That was that used to have a oh, warm, that new car smell. smell. But was that anything from the I'm not sure. There was one, one of my favourite stories about smells. If I can just interject, which I, which mm-hmm. sort of is is a sort of a gadget and gizmo thing. So in the um the late fifties when tele uh, television was was undermining cinema massively, um some people would start experimenting with smells in um, cinema to try and, you know, as well as widescreens, they tried something something called Smell-O-Vision. And they had a film called Scent of Mystery in which they pumped smells in during this uh, murder mystery into the cinema. And uh, Henny Youngman, the American um, comedian, said, oh, I didn't understand the film. I had a cold, (laughs) which I thought was wonderful. I have now tracked down number seven. Oh, is it worth tracking down? Oh, absolutely. Number seven is unicorn. The smell <laughs> of unicorn. And I'm quoting here from the press release that says, uh, to get this one right, the team studied ancient texts on the origins of unicorns and sniffed a few horses. <laughs> yeah, I suspect that, that uh, most wonderful. people blindfolded couldn't tell the difference between the smell of a horse and a unicorn. Exactly. I, I'm I, because it is such a, such a good thing. I'm going to give a quick shout out to Quick Brown Fox PR. <laughs> because What a good story it is! I'm is surprised the other the newspapers have not picked that one up, but I certainly haven't noticed. This anyway, is to do we with would an Expo at the Global Association for the Attractions Industry (IAAPA). I mean, let let let's give them publicity because they have tried <laughs> so hard to interest us, and they have succeeded. That was absolutely superb! Absolutely superb. So, where now? Well, from, from the ridiculous to the sublime? Exactly what I was going to say. Well, what oh, I started to say, oh, but you beat me to it. Oh, okay. The sublime being the first motor made of DNA. How about that? Isn't that impressive? How can you have a. Okay, you're going to tell me. Well, I'm going to tell you. This is from the Technical University of Munich, who use a process that they call DNA origami where Mm -hmm. they fold DNA and the motor consists of three parts there is a rotor arm which is simply a long strand of DNA Mm -hmm. that's mounted on a ratchet base which is uh, several strands of DNA but uh, oriented at an angle so they can turn one way and not the other way like, like any ratchet and then a platform the whole thing is up to 500 nanometers long No, you're probably wondering what 500 nanometers is. Well, quite small. Well, 500 nanometers, to make it clearly clear for you, is half a micrometer. Does that clear Uh, things up? It probably doesn't. No, it doesn't. Uh, A nanometer is a billionth of a meter. So So I was right when I said pretty small. Pretty (laughs) small. You you are absolutely right. Yeah. And um, so they apply uh, an AC voltage to, to this. And they can change the spin and the direction, I suppose, switching the polarity of the voltage that they're applying. Mm -hmm. And um, they say that this uh, could be used for doing chemistry. If they had a surface that's coated in these DNA motors, then when they want to mix uh, two chemicals together, Mm -hmm. they could just activate the motors and the container itself would then spin around or, or the motors inside the container would spin around and mix the chemicals without having to have a separate of Kenwood-style mixer attached. I think it's rather cute, don't you? Ah, mystifying. Mystifying indeed, but certainly cute. You've got to admit it's cute. Well, I'm going to say what will they think of next, but you're going to tell us. I am going to tell you exactly what they will think of next, um, which is um, wheels, wheels on scooters. The smaller the wheel, the more unstable the thing that you're riding. Yes. And you'll know if you ride a bicycle with very small wheels, like a Brompton, for example, that they, mm. they feel wobbly because small wheels are inherently less stable because of the the angle of momentum. Yes. Makes you wonder why they ever got rid of the penny farthing. Um have you ever tried to ride a penny farthing? I haven't, but there is a chap in our part of London. Very occasionally when you're out cycling, you see this chap who nearly always wears a tweet suit, riding oh, yes. a penny farthing. And have you ever seen him try to dismount it? No. No, not yet. They're very high. You need a tall step to get on and off it. Oh, well, no doubt no doubt, he's, no doubt he's, he's lucky that there are so many penny-farthing mounting and dismounting steps. The, he, of- obviously, the real, The problem with penny-farthings is they don't have gears. I mean, that's why they had to have a huge front wheel. Yes, yes. When they invented gears, they could make bikes a lot smaller. Mm. That was entirely the issue. Anyway, um, uh, a, a company called Bow M... Have produced a prototype scooter which they call the safe steer, which is a side kind sort of use of Segway style technology in it that it keeps the bike uh, the scooter upright, mm. even when you haven't got your hands on the handlebars. And to demo it, they um they got a journalist to try it out. And the journalist demoed it by pouring and then drinking a cup of tea as she was rolling along on the scooter. That's quite impressive. It's quite, it's quite wobbly. Actually, she she doesn't look at all confident. But I like the idea of thinking. Well, I'm assuming she's not on a standard London road, where of course you've got to watch out. Even on a bike with normal size, you've got to make sure there's no potholes. A pothole and a scooter would be pretty. Would be absolutely of disastrous. Yes. Yes. And that is a big problem with with scooters that pothole, not just London roads, but well, which is presumably why dangerous. many scooter drivers just go on the pavement with no warning and comes straight past you yes you're shooting very fast fast on those electric things yes um it is now time for us just to pause for breath and then we'll be back again in a moment hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner luckily armor all america's most trusted auto appearance brand has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Gadgets and Gizmos. Well, these are gadgets and gizmos, I suppose. Um I'm Simon Rose. He's Steve <laughs> Kaplan. It's it's only taken 379 episodes for me to wonder whether I'm actually using the the right the right now, now it's part of the, the verb. No, no, this. I'm not. I, I shan't worry. I shall worry. I'll worry about. Um, this is I the show instead. called Gadgets and Gizmos. I think it's yes. What you're saying, okay, it okay. is exactly what I should have said. Yes. Now, electric bikes. Um, I'm all in favour of electric bikes, as you know, I'm Mm. a very early adopter, I've had mine for quite a few years now, and they are just really splendid things. Mm. They are, however, quite expensive, uh, unless you uh, go onto Amazon and buy uh, a cheap Chinese knockoff electric bike. Um, I I bought one for my son, actually, Mm. some years ago, which uh, had to be built, and it started falling apart even before I would finished building it. Know, wow, and you're quite in, good at building things. Yes. No, this is a bit dropping off it because they've been poorly manufactured. Oh right. But okay. here's a very interesting one. This is so a So did it, did the bike shirt. actually work and last? It a did. Lot. It lasted a, a while. It okay. lasted a while. <laughs> this is a British company called Gin X, and they have produced an electric bike with a 75 mile battery. With a thumb throttle, which is surprising, because I thought well, thumb throttles were now uh, illegal on, on electric bikes. But maybe so th- I'm not even sure I know what the thumb throttle is. Uh, it's what's on my bike, because my bike was made before the, the rules changed. With current electric bikes, you have to pedal them in order to kick in the uh, the electric motor. Okay. With a thumb throttle, it's like an accelerator. You just push it and the bike goes right, forward. Right. They say that a thumb throttle, maybe it's been disabled on the UK market. 15.5 uh, miles an hour, top speed, which is the... Uh, legal maximum for mm. electric bikes, which can be unlocked to thirty-two miles an hour for strictly off-road use only. Of course. Yes, of course. Of course. I'm sure nobody would do that. Yes, do the that. LCD display um, that shows you how many how much charge you've got, and how fast you're going. Hydraulic brakes, which is a very good thing to have on any kind of bike, particularly <laughs> an electric bike. Um, Nine hundred and ninety-nine pounds, which is actually a very good price for a spec electric bike it also looks very pretty um an extra uh, 90 pounds if you want a rear uh, rack and, uh, and a pannier mm. but that's still a very good deal and if you're looking for an electric bike i think this is really one worth checking out ginebikes.com because bikes are actually route. even just ordinary you know um b- bikes where you actually have to pedal the whole time and you have no thumb throttles or any any yeah. assistance apart from your own legs they're not cheap these days they're not cheap well this as i say does look like a particularly good one and i think it's well worth uh well worth checking out mm. perhaps yeah. i should have done that instead of having my chain and gear assembly replaced as i've just done on my conventional bike uh, but you're a very keen cyclist aren't you you like the physical oh, i'm keen on the idea I'm just i like actually like doing it yes ah, well you see with yeah. an electric bike you can actually like doing it as well yes that's probably true mm. No. Oh, I do it for fitness. And of course, if I had the assist of an electric bike, I wouldn't get as fit. No. Well, uh, uh, well, in fact, you would, according to the Japanese study that we discussed. Oh, yes. Yes. Ago. Yes. I realized. You were that. skeptical yes, about it. then. I far. was there and I still am. Yes. Well, yes. you anyway. get as fit because although you are power assisted, in my case, I cycled 10 times as much with my electric bike as mm. I did with my conventional mm. bike. So I think it just evens out. Mm. Well, I guess it does. Uh, so let us move on and we're going to environment microplastics microplastics the scourge of our time mm. microplastics are everywhere from the summit of everest to the bottom of the deepest sea trenches that's where microplastics uh, are found um the thing about microplastics is that they are not something that just bits of uh, plastic breaking off water bottle or whatever but they are Um, produced intentionally as microbeads they're added to things like paint and Mm. cosmetics and shampoo and toothpaste and they they make the paint sparkle and they make the toothpaste more abrasive so it cleans your teeth better so people are actively making these microplastics they don't just just not a byproduct of uh, yes yes of the manufacturing process so, what can we do to replace microplastics uh in, because uh, presumably they're relatively recent, so they mustn't have been necessary before they were invented. No, possibly not. So, what did they use instead? Yeah, something else i don't I don't know um so um the clever people at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology have come up with silk as an alternative. Um silk apparently forms the same forms the same function as uh microplastics and it biodegrades um and it's low grade silk so textile silk
1: yes. is sort
0: of painstakingly unraveled from silkworm cocoons mm. um but they can make this stuff out of low grade silk dissolved in in water, which currently just goes to waste low low grade stuff, so it's taking all of the low grade silk and turning it as a replacement for microplastics. That seems superb. If assuming it does. they can get enough low-grade silk to replace the microplastics, then frankly, yeah. it, it should be it's happening immediately. Not not very good for the silkworms, of course. They ah. don't make silk like they make wool. They don't shear the, the, the silkworms. They, they boil them alive. Oh, oh yes. I didn't realise that. Mm. They try and keep that quiet. Oh, well, then anybody who's vegetarian or vegan, the chances are they're not going to want a product that's... Using no. low-grade silk? No, possibly not. I they, they, they don't have to eat them afterwards, of course. Mm. Uh, there we go. Well, what we need then some of some of these boffins to come up with low-grade silk that doesn't require silkworms to give their lives for them. I think that's probably exactly what. That's we, probably uh, the uh, next. It's probably the next stage. I, somewhere, somewhere along the line, we should have done a database about all these um, wonderful um, sort of research places. To see who, who's coming up with the most extraordinary yes. stuff. <laughs> I think we probably should, mean, MIT yes. do feature quite a lot, but then perhaps not surprising as it's such an important um, institution. But oh, uh, nice. yeah, there are some bizarre ones. Hmm. I, think, I seem to remember the Texan universities seem to be featuring quite a lot as well. I'll see. They I'll do. see. if they, I'll see the next time they crop up. Yeah, but uh, obviously, they get very bored in Texas. They come up with some quite extraordinary things. Um, I'll point it out next time I see one. Where are we going now? We do that. We are going to our crowdfunding time of the week. Oh, oh, you didn't give me much warning of that. Well, let's have our old fanfare. <laughs> I haven't played could it for you a while. find the button with the new one. Yeah, I could find the button. I just decided I'd like to go back to the old one for a while. I thought that fanfare was for our app of the week. Our app of the week? No, that was our app of the week. I think now people are confused. They don't know if you're going to talk about the app of the week or, hmm. or crowdfunding. OK. Well, anyway, this is the Podbrugger. Oh, God, what? The Podbrugger. It's got it's no valve. It. It's podmaker with the A and the oh, E taken out. The pod right. maker. It's probably still pronounced Podmaker, but I'm just being facetious. Right. And it's for people who have those coffee machines that take pods. You have little aluminium. Oh yes, yes, pods, yes, yes. Which yes. have always struck me as being it's a very expensive and a very wasteful way of making coffee. Yes. yes. Well, the podmaker. I I'm, I'm gonna to have to call it podmaker <laughs> yes. because I yes. cannot yes. no. say that. Um it's uh, you can grind your own coffee pods. Or rather, you can grind your own coffee pods. So if you you get the difference, what it does is it uses reusable steel pods. And it has a machine that grinds the pods, grinds the coffee, Mm. but all very, very fresh coffee, and then seals the pod. And then you put the pod into your coffee maker and um, it gives you coffee at the cost of regular coffee rather than having to pay with a kids and, and you life. reuse the pod well frank and quite frankly why didn't they do that to begin with because they wanted to sell you the coffee pods yeah. it's like so it's a bit like cartridges for oh your razors okay i yeah. think we're going to use the example of um cartridges indeed, for printers cartridges for printers yes yeah um it is on kickstarter at the moment the uh early bird still available is 109 dollars which is about 91 pounds which is actually not that much compared to the amount that you'd probably end up spending on regular uh, coffee pods. And you have until the 18th of August to decide if you want to Mm -hmm. uh, want to go. It doesn't seem very expensive, but I'm less a coffee drinker, more a tea drinker. Doesn't seem to be much uh, happening in tea technology. uh, Well, not since the ingenuity. No, Um, which you point out to me, which I I, I have, although the lid doesn't stay on very well these days, but somehow I don't want to get another one just for that. No. Um, Or, of course, you can now make a pot of tea while scootering along the pavement. (laughs) Well, I don't want to make a pot of tea. You could pour one. Don't tell me she actually boiled a kettle and and made the tea as well as she went along. She didn't. No. No, (laughs) No, (laughs) That would have been (laughs) a little bit silly. I quite like the idea, though, of travelling around and and having tea while you're actually... um, Uh, cycling it does sound like fun Mm. let us squeeze in one final item right uh which is the easy turn axle and this is something that uh uh, an automotive company called zf who make lots of parts for other car manufacturers Mm. um they have come up with a prototype for a car in which the front wheels can rotate through 80 degrees oh so almost almost just the front wheels okay that's right. the front wheels, yes. Um, so uh, if it was got if it was both front and back wheels, then parallel parking would be. Yes, yeah, so I thought I'd parking. I'd seen a car once where where both pairs of wheels moved. So you could just simply That was a go little in. electric car that we yes. talked about uh, yeah, some time yes. ago. But this is an idea to be fitted onto they well, if they put this onto a modified BMW. Well uh, do you know do what angle turns. do you know what angle car wheels normally go to? Because I'm not sure I know presumably not i would even. imagine the maximum folly would be about 45 degrees yes that's what i was thinking yes okay. um of course it only works on cars with front wheel drive because if they're rear wheel drive there's no way that it could push a car around that kind of that kind of tight turn but anyway right. okay. it's it's very much in the sort of experimental stage but it, it could make turning and indeed parking just so much easier if they implement this uh, in the future Yes, parking never seems to get easier. If you notice, that, doesn't no matter how many years you've been doing it. Well, still, one time in four or five, I find I have to go out of the bay and come my back car, in again. In my Ford Galaxy, because there is a button you can press and the car will park itself. Oh. yes. Oh, why did you not show me that when I saw you? Well, because I'd I never use it just. because it does it so fast. It is terrifying. Oh. I never use it. So it tells you to put the car into forward and, and, and yes. reverse gears. When it's in reverse, it tears back at a terrific uh, oh. and, I, and I think it's not gonna stop in time, it's gonna crash into the car behind me. So I always sort of slam my foot on the brake too early and then it gets confused and doesn't complete it. But oh, no, I should love it because it's exactly the kind of technology that I should love. But frankly I find oh, it there's no way of slowing it down. Yes, I could see that would be quite frightening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's very difficult if you do actually hit the behind I suppose, to blame your car. Yeah, yes. not my fault, Gov. No. no. Yeah. Well, presumably um, Ford would be uh, liable in some way or other. Mm. OK, well, that's it for this edition of Gadget and Gizmas. We'll be back with more of the same. Well, not the same, but more different, if you see <laughs> what I mean more similarly different next, same time next week is it a gadget is it a gizmo no it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose